pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. What's up, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of Declarations of War. I am your host, Alexei Card, joined by my faithful co-host, Artemis Albosa. Hello, everyone. And our very special guest this evening, the editor of the Eve Onion News Service, Opus Magnum. Hello. Uh, before we get into this very special edition, we have some shout-outs and thank-outs. Thank out for me, Mark Havoc. Oh my god, holy balls. <laughs> this is the largest donation that Declarations of War has ever received. And uh, I'm not going to say the amount, but, but thank you very much. It's, it's uh, awesome, beyond my wildest dreams. For, certainly for this podcast, at least. Not money in general, please. <laughs> um, but I honestly, yeah, I, I can't thank you enough for all the support and... Uh, I just hope you continue to enjoy the show and continue to enjoy that prosperity in your life, man. That's that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with me, and um, you know, it's, it's just a really good feeling to to see that. So again, thank you so much. I hope you're doing well, dude. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me in game, please do, and uh, enjoy this episode. I think you really will. All right, my shout-out goes out to a really... It's a quality guy. It, it's someone who I've flown with for many years uh, on various alts, occasionally on my main, but not that often just because of the political sphere. And just someone who, even when... You get the feeling that even when the odds are stacked against you, even when all of Eve is bearing down, he'll be there, he'll stand by you, and he's got your back. So, shout-out to the judge. My shout out goes to uh, you know the Reve subreddit. Um, you know they they only upvote the facts that matter, right? They only get to the hard information that's really relevant. All right, and of course, Eve Onion is a sponsor of this show, very faithful sponsor. They break the news of Eve Online, and we're going to give you guys a special taste of that in this show because, quite frankly. None of the stories we're going to feature here tonight would be possible if it wasn't for the uh, just peerless reporting and journalistic work of the Eve Onion. We've got an incredible staff down there, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. I also want to give a shout-out to the Charlotte, North Carolina Eve Meet. They meet the third Saturday of every month. The next one will be one twenty. So that'll be uh, next week, as a matter of fact. Hopefully, this uh, broadcast will be reaching your ears before then. If you're anywhere in the Charlotte area, I'd say within at least a two-hour's drive, uh, please heavily consider driving down and checking it out. More details are going to be available on evemeet.net and also the official e-forums, so go check it out. All right, we had a poll. Will 2018 be better? Or worse than 2017. Uh, the optimism was frankly surprising. 67% of the audience think things will be better in 2018. I don't know. I don't know. Certainly for Eve, it's murky. I wish I didn't have to say that. But that's kind of how it feels. I think the sentiment that you're missing here, Alec, is the option that should have read... It can't get any worse. I think that's really <laughs> the thing that people were looking for, and they can't really honestly say to themselves that Eve is going to get worse, so they just had to say, well, better is the only option that's just not wrong, so we just have to go with that. But I think you set up a false dichotomy, and so you're getting a bit of an aberration in the results here. Oh, you sweet son. Imagine this year if they fired Guard or Falcon. Holy shit. Pretty sure that, that uh, all the players would ride at that point and just unsub. It certainly wouldn't be a good sign. 
But it's that's the state of play where that should be unthinkable, but I'm actually afraid it might happen. Well, I always thought the unthinkable was when a community-oriented game fired over half their community staff, but that just may be me. I mean, it's certainly not great. I, I appreciate that CCP may need to tighten the belt, but that's not encouraging to hear when they're tightening the belt but also launching a new game project. It seems like a questionable set of priorities for me. I mean, sure. The the individuals who they let go, that was a bad decision. But you know what is probably the best decision CCP has made, like literally ever, is the decision for the new property for their MMO. Tell us about that, Alec. Well, that is true. Um, and we can get into this now. I guess that's a good segue. Um, through our partnership with the Eve Onion, we have an exclusive story. In fact, several exclusive stories. Uh, the first of which is insight into the new CCP MMO project. This is stuff that has not been reported anywhere else. Don't even bother trying to go to uh, a Crossing Zebras or an Imperium News Network. They're not going to have this story, at least not until we break it right here. Uh, but we have a source, an anonymous source, inside CCP with direct knowledge of the project and the negotiations that went into it. And we're breaking right now that CCP's new MMO is based on a partnership with Sanrio, a company you may be more familiar with as the owners and creators of Hello Kitty. That's right, guys. Hello Kitty Online is, is real, or will be real, in a very short time. Um, <clears throat> the working title we have in front of us is Hello Kitty Online Fun and Friendship. Uh, just based on that, I mean, well, obviously this is a big landmark deal for CCP. There's no, there's no real other way to do that. This is a big get. I'm not going to say that it's not a big get, but what I am going to say is if that's the direction you're going on in friendship, why were they not aggressively pursuing a partnership with Hasbro to bring a My Little Pony MMO, a, a AAA caliber My Little Pony MMO to the market? I mean, hold on a minute, like, you gotta think, <laughs> you, you're just way off base here, Alec, right? My Little Pony, you've got all the weirdos and the freaks of the internet who like My Little Pony, and quite frankly, they're already paying Eve, right? They've already bought in to CCP. What CCP's done with Hello Kitty is they've opened up their business to a new market, and to a very large market, mind you. Right? Hello Kitty appeals to everyone that is just now breaking into the video game realm. It appears to the younger generations, it appears to the female side of things, which as we've seen from the success of Overwatch recently, if you appeal to that demographic, then you're going to get spectacular returns. I think it's just the better option, and frankly, I am highly supportive of this new endeavor. Uh, I I disagree. I want to bring in Opus before I drop some truth bombs on you, though. Well, I mean, if you look at it, in the past, EVE Online, a uh, very gritty, dark game, you know, mature game, you know, uh, look at Valkyrie, look at Dust314, you look at all these games, they're all dark, they're all gritty, they're all mature games, and CCP has not really gone after, you know, really they're taking like a, like a 180, right? They're going after this bright, you know, fun funny, happy world, you know, in Hello Kitty. And so I think that, you know, Hello Mars is going to look, we've, we've got to change our our audience. We've got to go after a place we haven't went before. And Hello Kitty is that. I mean, you see all these advertisements for it. It's kid-friendly. It's something that parents would go, hey, I'll let my kid play that. Even online? Oh, gosh, it's so hard to convince a, you know, a mother to let their, you know, 10-year-old play Eve online. I think it's a positive step in the right direction for CCP. I can see where you're going there, but here's the thing. CCP only has experience with these dark, gritty games. 
okay, you can say they're trying to break into new, into a new area, but with something that's going to be this high profile, do you really want that to be such a, a big experiment? If they went with a My Little Pony, as Artemis mentioned, you know, there's already a lot of buy-in from the EVE player base on the My Little Pony intellectual property. They would be starting with a leg up. They would at least have some small group, maybe even not even that small of a group, of dedicated hardcore supporters for this new platform, or for this new game, that can launch it and accelerate it, get that word of mouth going. They're going to be literally starting from scratch. Uh, you may have a few EVE players into Hello Kitty, but, I mean, let's be honest, uh, all the Hello Kitty memes and stuff in EVE, that's all ironic. Whereas My Little Pony, there is a genuine love for the brand. <laughs> you're, just, you're looking at this the wrong way. So, you're right. There is certainly some buy-in from a subset of the EVE Online players, but if CCP introduces a game with that Hello Kitty, then those players have to make a choice. Do they spend their time playing EVE, or do they spend their time playing Ponies Online? And if they have to make that trade-off, then CCP isn't really gaining anything here. They're just swapping from one headset to another. Whereas if you go with the Hello Kitty property, then you are completely opening yourself up to an almost entirely new market. I think certainly the word of mouth from EVE Online players, their support for CCP as a company, would be able to bolster marketing and awareness of the new title on its own, and you don't need to make the trade-off between EVE Online players swapping games in order to bolster the uptake. That's a decent point. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a decent point, but it's a short-term point, right? It's not really thinking long-term growth. And, you know, hasn't CCP done enough of that, really? Well, if you look at it, you get them hooked young, right? You have a younger generation that's selling the Hello Kitty, and then you know, with this Hello Kitty deal, right? So think about this Evil Line players, right? We're going to be able to have Hello Kitty skins, which we've all been asking for. At least I know I have, right? I mean, the pink skins were great, but I want a kitty on my thorax. You know what I'm saying? So I think that they'll be able to hook them young, and then when they get old enough, they can transition over to Evil Online. Then, so it, it's kind of like a cradle to grave type of thing. You know, and I think so. You are touching on the one point, which is that. Um, you know, while this may have some consequences for Eve, which we'll talk about in a second, one benefit will be, we have confirmed this, the long-coveted Hello Kitty skin will be coming out based on that Kestrel design that was created by players oh so long ago. We're looking at a whole range of these things. Unclear what the price points will be or how they'll be distributed, but we know they're coming. Uh, Artemis, go I was going to say, turning back a bit, towards our discussion on which property is the best. Opus, you hit the nail on the head. The reason the choice for Hello Kitty is to get that younger generation, and you cannot go with My Little Pony for this explicitly because it is just frankly too graphic and too dangerous. If you look at the statistics, horse riding, equestrian competition, is three times more dangerous than swimming, for example which on its own has a relatively high danger to participation. There's muscle strain, people drown, and horse riding is three times more dangerous than that. I think, frankly, if CCP is looking to open up a market to a younger generation, trying to get the parent buy-in before the kids can gain access, you can't go with that vulgarity that is ponies. Like, I don't know whether you're getting this from, like, the glue industry or what, but I, I challenge those statistics, okay? <laughs> and let's, I also challenge this assertion that like Hello Kitty is going to tap into this younger demographic. Uh, first of all, even if they did, the demographic that My Little Pony appeals to has more disposable income and has proven time and time again to support this property financially. My Little Pony has been the most successful Hasbro franchise for like seven years running, in large part due to its broad appeal of not just younger girls, but also younger, middle-aged, and old-aged men. And this is just facts, okay? And they're willing to put their money where their mouth is, and I think they would be willing to put their money where their mouth is for an online gaming property. 
Furthermore, I would like to say that I don't think that's actually true, because Hello Kitty Online, yes, you would think it would appeal to the younger generation, but, like, how relevant is it actually? Most of the Hello Kitty buzz, especially in Eve, certainly. And, uh, you know, I'm a new father. I know what's happened with the kids. Uh, it, it's just not as prominent as it used to be. I think we're talking about the, the PS3 of friendship-based media properties, and this has a risk of becoming just another dust. Okay. I think, I think we've had this particular part of the conversation to death. Let's talk gameplay, game mechanics, and the dev team here. Right. How is Hello Kitty Online going to play? Well, we don't know much, but we can draw some insight from the approach that TCP is going to be taking to this. There will be some EVE devs relocated to the new Hello Kitty project. Um, unknown how many, but at least one team's worth. And the interesting thing is they're going under the resurrected moniker of Team Super Friends, which, of course, you know makes sense given the properties. So... This is, uh, you know, the the legacy of devs like uh, Torfifron and Puncturus. So while we don't know a great deal about the gameplay, we can sort of glean that they're at least looking to execute at a high level. Uh, they're going to be paying attention to the UI very heavily from the outset, it seems, or at least that's what I would infer. Um I think we can draw from the incarnate experience to assume that you know there will be avatars that can walk around. Uh, I think they're not going to go with anything ship or ship related clearly because this is totally new IP, and they want to appeal to that female demographic. One would presume so. They're going to go with avatars. Those avatars will likely be extremely customizable, uh, using a lot of the technology that CCP has developed for skins and attire in Eve. Uh, but I imagine the graphics engine will be maybe tuned down a little bit, retuned for the uh, the more uh, simplified anime-style character designs in Hello Kitty. Not a great deal of texture detail there. Uh, but at the same time, we want it to look and feel right. Because we don't know very much, I think I'm going to put sort of my wish list out here. What I'm hoping to see from Hello Kitty Online Fun and Friendship, what I what I sort of want from this new title. And this is one of the reasons why I really think Hello Kitty works for the title, is because I think in the MMO space, there is nobody currently taking up the spot of a platformer, right? We have zero MMO platformers. And the utility of cats and felines in that space provides you a wealth of new options for gameplay mechanics, for methods of transportation. You can climb on things, you can run around. Think of like the success of the transportation mechanics in Assassin's Creed, but mm-hmm. then take it down to a platformer level and market it to a younger generation. I think that's really what I'm looking for, an MMO platformer that takes advantage of the nature of cats and their ability to move around the world. I think one, you know, you brought up a great point, that platformer element. I think thematically uh, that's that makes so much sense. I hope they're doing it. One interesting question they're going to have to cross, though, and because of the Incarna walking in stations thing, you may think this question is settled, but actually I'm not so sure of whether they go with a th- more traditional MMO 3D environment or if they try to take a risk and be more faithful to the 2D Hello Kitty property style and go with a 2D platforming MMO, sort of like a, a Maple Story but AAA quality. Opus, hmm. do you have any thoughts on that? Well, if you look at you know what you know the the team Super Friends, you know we talked about the devs that will be on it. You know they're they're out about taking risk, right? This CCP Games is not a is not averse to risk, and I think you're right. I think they're going to go straight for that, you know, traditional, you know, more risky of it because it, you got to make it where people want to play this game, right? It's all about the way it looks and feels, and you got to hold true to the franchise with that, and hold true to the essence of what is Hello Kitty. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now there is the open question, of course, of whether or not this will be a PvP game. Now, you've got to think there's going to be some PvP element to it, even if it's indirect. Uh, Team Super Friends, of course, was most well known uh, for the EVE bounty hunting rewrite. So it's not beyond imagination that there might be some kind of objective-based cat-and-mouse, if you will, PvP (laughs) mechanics. Well, those are the most nonviolent one, right? I mean, you have a a kid-friendly game. Well, that's the thing. It's very kid-friendly. How how would you work in PvP? I mean, mean, you can't have a cat fight, right? (laughs) You've got to remember that PvP doesn't necessarily involve individuals looking to kill in some sense of the word their opponents right you can have competition that is purely competition between two players but the competition is over how well they do in a pve environment think like what is it crabicus is like the the mining killboard for eve now mm-hmm. i think something like that but in the mechanic and stylistic sense of hello kitty think PvE and sort of raid boss type things where you can really take advantage of the teamwork, the friendship, and the fun that it seems like we're going for with this property. Bring that together and sort of have competition between teams, between friend groups, but that doesn't necessarily involve combat between those two. Yeah, you know, I was kind of joking around with it, with the the whole cat and mouse reference, but actually, if you think about it, you could sort of imagine uh, two teams... And a mice, a mouse, or a number of mice within the play space that need to be caught, and the team that catches the most wins, for instance, some kind of indirect, more competition-based versus combat-based. Well, if you look at you know Xbox Live and and in the PlayStation you know store and, and the you have achievements right and trophies, I I almost see like you know it's gonna be a collections type of game where you know you have the most. Items in your backpack, right? Of this type, and so you, you have like a leaderboard, and that would, you know that's direct competition, right? I mean, we do that all the time with killboards in the online. You have the most kills this month, mo- you know, less losses. Totally would translate well to Hello Kitty. You know, do you have the most, you know, catnip sacks? Do you have the most, you know, hearts? And you get resets maybe every month or something. I mean, we have that in other types of games too, like Diablo and and stuff where you basically have a system of. You know, you, you every month you're trying to actually achieve the, the top spot on the board for whatever you collected or whatever you've done. It's yeah, I like it. It's interesting that you bring up sort of the achievements that we have on console platforms because we don't yet know what platform this new MMO is going to be on. We know that because it's an MMO that typically lends itself more to a PC player base than to consoles, but we have the example of Dust 514 where CCP isn't necessarily afraid of branching out to console. And certainly the, I think it would be easier to reach out to its intended demographic if you go to a console base where the mechanics of using the controls are somewhat more intuitive and somewhat simpler than a PC, for example. It could be I mean, we don't have any internal confirmation on this, but my, my personal thoughts are they'd be very foolish to make this PC only. I I could even see this being perhaps, uh, you know, CCP has tried, they did this presentation in Vegas with kind of an EVE clone for mobile. Uh, if they really wanted to be ambitious here, and again, this is this is pure speculation, you know, not, not based on anything unlike the rest of the story that we've done, um, is that they could do a real proper mobile PC shared universe tie-in if the controls in the interface were simple enough uh, especially if it was 2D if they decided to go that route I think you know you would save a lot in terms of the graphic processing power you could have mobile players interacting with PC players interacting with console players in the same shared Hello Kitty universe um, but with of course, slightly modified controls for the different platform they're on but like Graphically, gameplay-wise, I, I don't see a reason why they would need to be that separate. And if they did want to do that, I would make not all, Hello Kitty not only a highly anticipated MMO, it would be an extremely landmark MMO. 
breaking new ground that no one's ever done before, which is something that sounds like something CCP would try to attempt. Yeah, I think CCP is just looking for for a win, right? I mean, they were they were successful sort of with, with the Valkyrie. I think they're just looking for something that's so big that it that is their next big achievement, like Evo Line was. This could be it for them. Yeah, I think I think we're just going to have to wait and see. Maybe we'll glean some information from the CSM minutes coming from the upcoming CSM cycle. We, we know the CSM is pretty well ingrained with the business side of CCP, or at least to a certain extent. So I can't imagine that this will not come up and therefore come out during the CSM minutes. Well, it, it may be heavily redacted, I imagine. This is... This is clearly not something CCP is ready to publicly announce, or I would imagine they would do like a huge press briefing and something like that. You know, our anonymous source took a real risk letting us know, but, you know, if I was in his shoes, I, I couldn't blame him, because even though this isn't the My Little Pony MMO that we all kind of want, uh, or at least certainly I want, it, it is a big deal, and to have to contain that and not be able to talk about this this huge development and how exciting it is must be absolutely insane, uh, especially right in the middle of the Icelandic winter. All right, um, so that's all we have for that. We'll keep you guys updated on this ongoing story as we get more information. But we want to transition to some CSM news. Obviously, uh, bots and botting very huge right now in terms of the EVE zeitgeist. Uh, there's a big blowback against botting due to recent events where a wormhole group killed eight botting supercarriers in the region of Omst, belonging to the Kids with Guns Alliance. This has sort of shined the spotlight on botting in general. Um, a lot of players have come out against it, as you can imagine. But bots have their supporters too, and we're learning more about that now as hashtag Bot Lives Matter picks up steam on Twitter. Uh, this is uh, clearly in the in the realm of a Black Lives Matter, of a of a Me Too, of a you know these great social movements. The bots are speaking up; they're tired of being targeted, and they feel like they've been left behind in terms of the, the EVE conversation. So, you know, obviously this this isn't those things, and you know, this is a video game after all, but it's bringing the question up, do we feel like these botters have a point? I think they do. I mean, we, in this time of, of you know, just the environment in the world today, right, with acceptance and PCness, I mean, we these bots are... are, are machines right i mean we we care for our cars like you know like they're one of us right we some people wash them every single day why not bots i mean why don't bots have a say so why don't why don't we care more for bots because i mean we use bots every day to make cars late we i don't think they're getting the recognition but i think they're they're coming up though they're coming up we, we've seen that they've that they've taken the initiative and they started to see where other people and other groups have begun getting recognition and so i think they're on the on the bandwagon i think they're gonna be the hot topic for 2018 well absolutely because this brings into uh, there is a bot candidate running for the CSM. Uh, not a botter, the actual bot. And of course this raises the, I guess, somewhat uncomfortable question of if these bots are playing the game better than most players, um, you know, and certainly this bot was an exception, but we can't say that he represents all bots, uh, the bot that lost the supercarriers. And surely... You know, players lose supercarriers too, so I think it's an unfair double standard to try to say that it, it, he somehow represents all bots or that all bots are flying supercarriers in that way. So if they're playing the game and they're, they're doing it well enough that sometimes players, sometimes even the CCP security team can't differentiate them from a normal player, and now they're running for CSM... And, if he wins, we could, I think, fairly say that they're running the EVE metagame as as well as a, a regular player. So if they're doing that, why this distinction? Why treat them as a, a second-class citizen to be uh, scapegoated and treated with scorn? 
frankly, I think that um, you sort of hit the nail on the head there. And for that reason, I think they're going about it wrong. The Bont Lives Matter movement, I think, would be better served by recognizing that behind the Bont, there is, in fact, another person, another human being there. And to deny that or to ignore it, I think, diminishes the humanity of the bots themselves. And certainly I think that the bots would be better served by having a botter run for the CSM versus a bot itself, because I think it would sort of ease the transition, the recognition of the humanity of these bots and sort of recognizing them as the full members of the EVE Online community, which they are. I think that... I support their mandates and what they're trying to do, but I think they're doing it wrong. But don't you think that's a little disingenuous, right? You're you're trying to say that they can participate in, in even there's this shared humanity element, but oh, don't participate in this way. You know, that's not the right way to make your voice heard. Well, how else are they supposed to do it? I mean, uh, why shouldn't they have to? to wait for a botter to speak up on their behalf. Why can't they use their own voice? They certainly can. I just don't think it'll actually help them. I think, quite frankly, they'll get shot down on the votes. And if they had gone with a botter instead of just a bot, if they had been patient, then maybe they would have turned out for them. But I think this is, frankly, just going to be a disaster for the Bot Lives Matter movement. And I'm, I'm quite disappointed, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to get this bot onto one of the declarations of war candidate roundtables specifically so I can ask this question and find out sort of why the decision was made to run with a bot as opposed to a botter for the CSM. I think that's fair. I, I, I agree that we need to get him on the candidate roundtable. I think this is a perspective that that needs to be heard. And, you know, even if I don't quite agree with your position, Artemis, I, you know, it is an important question to be asked. And it's something that EVE players are are asking each other around the corp debating table. So I think it's a, it's fair game. You know, well, there's, there's who the candidate is, and then there's what they stand for. Um, we focused a little bit about, oh, this, this person's a bot, and what that might mean. But without drawing too many conclusions, I thought it would be helpful to just look at what they're actually saying and discuss these points on their merits at least. You know, I, obviously the the identity and the and the background of this candidate is extremely relevant to the conversation, but it's not the only thing, right? We should be talking policy. Uh, so, and we touched on this at the top of the story, uh, one of their platforms is that bots have been unfairly targeted for harassment and have also been long underrepresented on the CSM relative to their proportion of the EVE population. I have a hard time disagreeing with this. Let me straight up. Yeah, I mean, if you look at throughout all the CSM uh, terms we've had, there's not been any bots. And in fact, there's never been a conversation that we should have bots, right? Like they've been so undervalued that I don't think until this year we've even had this come up. It's all about not one bot. Right. It's all about been oppressing them, right? We have to get rid of them. We have to show them that, you know, they're they're useful, but only in this context. They have to meet these, you know, this criteria, this criteria to even be considered a bot or to be even considered to be used in EVE Online. And I think that that's unfair. And I think this is the year, again, that bots are going to be the thing, right? I think that they're going to come out and show us what they're really made of and what they can do. And this candidate that's running, you know, he, he was so scared to even, you know, show that he was not a human, right? Like he, he was, he was, you know, disguised, but he was really a bot and it came out and, and that's, it's a shame, right? Really? It's just a shame that, that we have to, it's 2018. We've, this game's been around for 15 years and we're just now finally getting to these conversations. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a shame that it's taken so long in a lot of ways. Bots have been an important element of the community for many years and we just like you said if they're ever part of the conversation in a negative way why why do we automatically go there i think it's unfair to say that all bot activity is bad you know obviously there are some bad bots but you know that's you can't generalize the whole group you know what i mean that's that's not right um 
he's also come out and said that the CCP's enabling of alphas to use Gila's has been a very positive step, both for the game and for bot rights. Uh, I will take his word for this, because he's speaking as a bot. But, I mean, certainly it's a step up, but you also have to look at the price tag to get into the Gila, not just the price of the ship, but also the price of the training time. And is that not, uh, you know, imposing an unfair tax, perhaps, on these bots to get the same level of gameplay? But before, you had to actually be an Omega to get into this. So you actually kind of had already had to have some money, right? You already had to – it was unattainable. It was not even an option, and now it is. I think that's really what you had to look at from his perspective is that now it's an option. It may be unattainable for most of these people, at least in the beginning, but it's attainable at some point. And, and that's, I think, what he's pointing out here is it's key, that it is a big, long reach, but it is attainable. And I think this point is especially important because it shows – sort of a touchstone between the bot community and the standard eve player base where i think universally the the recent alpha changes the enablement of their access to multiple races to battle cruisers to battleships and indeed to t2 medium-sized weapons everybody liked that and so i think if we can focus on not only just sort of what the bots want but also how the bot's priorities and the standard EVE player base's priorities can line up, I think that will enable us to go far in this relationship. Well, also speaking of the Gila, and I really just thought of this based on what Opus had said, yes, they're, they're getting access to something they couldn't before, but Alphas aren't really able to use T2 drones, are they? So they can get in the Gila, but they can't really get in the same Gila as everybody else. That's so true. Um, there is, there's still some inequality there. There's still some things that still need to be worked on, but you know it's a start, isn't it? I mean, we have to start. They have to start somewhere. Hang on, can't can't you use T2 medium drones on an alpha? Can you? I need to go look this up. I mean, if you if they can, I'll take that point back. But but that's my understanding, and. Uh... Yeah, your point is well taken, Obis, that you need to start somewhere, but you know, it's it's been this long, you know, I I think the question is fair, is CCP going far enough to bring them up to the same level as other players? Well, you know, it's sometimes it's all about just gradually getting getting them up to speed, right? I mean, if you give you know, these bots everything all at once, then it may be, may actually give them a a negative, it may, may may just make them feel dis- disparaged or more because now they see all the stuff they can't have all of a sudden instead of stuff that they these are like small chunks, any little chunks they they can fully reach up to over time. If everything you know just all of a sudden a Titan, that's just that take for years and forever and ever and ever, and so that may discourage them in the opposite way that not having having access to it does now. Uh, you know, I, I see your point there, but I, I can't help but feel that's a little bit patronizing to them. You know right what I mean? They have nothing though, so I mean it's. I, I I get you. Every anything would be better than what they currently have. I get it. Uh, it's definitely expanding access to uh, low income bots in a way that you know hadn't been done before. Huh? You know, I'm just sort of calling it out that more could be done, and you know maybe will be done, but you know we're not really there yet. I guess. Um. Somewhat predictably, I guess, you, you know, the bot Canada has come out in support of more repetitive, high isk yield gameplay in EVE. I uh, feel that's um, a design principle that CCP should double down on. Um, obviously, this is a, a pretty core tenet to EVE gameplay. There has been a lot of discussion among human players of being more aggressive in terms of CCP's development to try to make the game more dynamic engaging, less predictable, um, frankly, less bottable, if we want to come out and say it. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not shocked that uh, the bots are coming out in support of CCP's current approach to EVE gameplay, which is to make it very repetitive, very boring, very predictable, uh, and, but at the same time giving you high-ISK payouts for going through that grind. Really quickly, before we go too far down the line, I did check it, 
and alphas can use T2 medium drones. They can only use I take it action back. heavies, but they can use T2 medium. I take it back. All right. That's a huge victory. I mean, that's even bigger I, my than bad. Was. You know, I'm, I have to educate myself. Okay, I get it. And I think that shows a show that us Omega accounts have been playing for so long don't really understand the the trials and, and what these people and what these bots are having to overcome. I, I, I think even we are, you know, so far up in the clouds that we don't really see the struggle they're going through. We can't well, relate. You know, everybody's got an inherent bias, and you know, this was an occasion where I've had the opportunity to like see that, and I'm um, taking this information, I'm learning from it, and. You know, I, I, I support the Alpha Gila situation. I, I support what that tries to represent. So, you know, I take back my, my earlier objections to that program. Now, one thing I do worry about, though, is with the accessibility of these bots getting into these, you know, ISK-making vehicles, uh, literally, that, you know, we, as humans may, you know, in the, new, in the human alphas coming in, may end up having less anomalies to run ourselves, though. We, we do have to, you know, balance that, don't we? What do you guys think? I mean, I, I think it's... There's something to it in that anomalies are kind of limited per system, but there's also so many systems out there that are underutilized. I think it's it misrepresents the situation to say that these bots are taking away anomalies from players. There are plenty of opportunities out there. If only the players would go out and get it. But I think the issue is, you know, there are systems that some players just aren't willing to rat in. You know? These are these are low-value, uh, geographically remote systems that human players just aren't willing to, to go into and rat. And these bots are. They'll they'll do any job, and that's you gotta true. respect that at some level. You do have to respect that, that's for sure. Now, what do you think about the the CSM bot wanting to, you know, slow down the pace of UI changes? You know, over the past you know year, two years, we've had a a renewed vigor from CCP to try to you know make the UI interface you know more freely, more you know uh, explainable, less clicking. Uh, more interactive, um, and he's calling that they need to slow down. They can't keep up. I I can see their point. I don't know if you know if I wholly agree. I think there are some much needed UI changes that, frankly, we all need to adapt to. And I mean, obviously, it would be to their interest not to have to do that. But I also think that, and this is a criticism of the candidate and itself, I think the candidate bot doesn't I, I feel like he sells his his folks short, right? These bots have clearly shown the ability to adapt to a wide range of UI changes. And I don't see any reason why they wouldn't continue to be able to do that uh, you know, frankly better than some players. So I think we still need these UI changes. I think that's very important for our society. Um now, I, maybe we can temper that pace a little bit, but I don't think we should make it too slow or stop. I think as EVE players, as human players, we are constantly pushing ourselves to improve and to limit the UI speed. It's not only a detriment to the human players, but it also sort of fails to put that onus of improvement on the bots themselves as well. So I think it'd be... Uh, betraying the Eve culture, if you will, of, you know, this is cold, dark space where nobody can hear you scream, although explosions are still a thing. So I think, I do, I do agree. I think this is a bad point on the, on the list of platforms for the bot. Now, uh, you know, as you can imagine, uh, this is a, a once in a lifetime type candidate. It's running. It would be historic if they were elected to the CSM. So, of course, there's a, a little bit of backlash, a little bit of a, a, a hostile reaction. And, you know, maybe Artemis will disagree with me here, but I think that that is where this next element of the story is coming from, that certain players have come out in support of a CAPTCHA test, both to run for the CSM 
but most importantly, to vote in the next election. Uh, you know, I, I understand voting integrity and the need to have that, but this, I think this is transparent and it's a little disgusting. And it also just shows the ignorance of the players requesting this, because if you look at many modern capture tests involve sort of identification of certain things within a set of images, and those tests in particular are being used to train artificial intelligence. So requiring a CAPTCHA test in order to participate in the CSM, I mean, even if it serves to prevent bots from getting in currently, it will make the bots coming down the line in the future, you know, five, ten years out, even better. So I think it's just, frankly, an ignorant position to take. Yeah, I mean, just on the practical element, like you said, it'll make them stronger. They will overcome that obstacle, and then they're going to be even more alienated from the human players. It's just making that divide wider, and we should be bringing the community together. But you know, sometimes you know, I'm not for the capture, but but and I'm not against not having it. But you know, sometimes you know. Tribulation, toils, you know, mountains to climb make you stronger. So it may alienate them or it may, you know, allow them to eventually take it. But maybe that's what needs to happen. I mean, maybe, maybe it's part of the struggle they have to go through in order to achieve, you know, the next success, which is for them getting someone onto the CSM that represents their values and, and their needs. But I think they have enough challenges, quite frankly. Why are we lay, layering more in front of them? Uh, and furthermore, like... Why Why is this even really needed? Like, we haven't had any instances of CSM voter fraud or anything like that. This clearly targets a very specific type of voter, a very specific type of candidate. You know, that's just not, not the values of Eve, I think. Eve has embraced bots, even if it isn't willing to admit it, for many years. And, you know... I think it's time that the CSM process caught up with that. If anything, we should be making voting more easy and removing captures where we can. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I have, a, I know I as a human struggle with voting sometimes, right? The, the, the voting cards are just they're they seem hard to get to. Once you get there, you have to do it. You know, like I have multiple accounts, so I have to do it over and over and over again. I have to log in multiple times. I mean, I would I would love to have some. Some kind of you know CSM voting reform actually here, and this may be something that comes about with this. Yeah, I mean that's the silver lining, right? And it's causing this conversation, and you know there's the hope that this conversation can lead to a, a backlash against the backlash, so to speak, and actually make the voting the voting system more accessible for more players. Uh, just simplify it, lower the barrier to voting, allow more people and more bots from all walks of EVE to vote for the CSM for the candidate or candidates of their choice. And, you know, let's let's just let the chips fall where they may. I agree with that. But for the bots, I think that their their struggle is just beginning, though. You know, Bot Lives Matter is a, a new movement, and I, I feel the opposition is going to get heavier and heavier, and, and they're going to start doing more and more dirty tactics to stop them. So I, I think, you know, we, we're seeing the beginning of a very long and dirty struggle. Yeah, my yeah, I would have to agree, but uh, I think we've touched on that point enough. Let's transition to a different struggle that's about to happen. In a rather strange story of, you know, certainly the first time I can recall it happening, uh, a smack talk in local situation between two folks, uh, one of whom got ganked, uh, the ganked person threatened to log in their PL main and get Pandemic Legion to invade this other person's alliance. And bizarrely, they did that. Uh, they logged in the PL main and uh, somehow uh, convinced the rest of the alliance to deploy. It's a controversial decision, but let's get into it. First off, wow, right? I mean, that's that's really the first thing I thought about. The second I saw this pop up was like, wow, this is this is a whole new PL that we're seeing, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I first thought it was a joke. It didn't certainly sound like something PL would do. Uh, obviously, the 
talking par for the course, but to actually follow through on one of those threats is unheard of. Um, And I think think culturally goes against their kind of, I don't know, image or I don't know how exactly you want to phrase it, but it's clearly been very controversial even within the alliance. I think Elise Randolph put it best when he said, and I quote, we never log in our mains. It's just not how we fly. And I think that frankly is sort of the bastion, the motto for the resistance within PL to this new move is it's not what PL is known for. It's not how they operate. And so I think we're going to start seeing rising conflict within PL as a result of this move. I, I agree. I mean, the this culture before was to, you know, just not worry about it, right? We're PL, we don't bother with the little guys, but when you start logging on mains and going after people because they killed your all, that's a either that's a defensive tactic, uh, because you feel like you're showing weakness, or it's just you're maybe that bored and want some more content. Who knows? But it's it's causing problems within the alliance itself. Yeah, there's even a, a, a rift forming an alliance leadership. We have it marked down in our in our notes as a civil war. You know, I, I don't know the exact wording I would use, at least at this stage, but it's clearly getting heated. Uh, Elise Randolph, who, as we noted, said we never log in our mains. Uh, coming to loggerheads, I guess, with Doom Chinchilla, who feels that it's, it's cliche to work while mine now, and that they need to be logging in the mains more often and actually creating content instead of third-partying off of content other people are creating, or just using their low-sec alt, using their mining alt to enjoy the game without actually committing their resources. I can see both sides. I, you know, Pandemic Legion is cutting edge. You know, and if Rorqual mining is becoming cliched and played out, I can see where Doom is coming from that, like, got to do something different and you know logging in their mains to actually invade the region of someone they hate for a grievance that happened in the game i mean no one's doing that right now it's it's avant-garde within the current meta and that feels like pl to me yeah i think if pl wants to maintain their status as the edge lords of eve they really need to be pushing here do you think that PL is going to fall into a trap of where they're going to get baited into a situation that they don't see coming, being this, you know, forceful and this, you know, willy-nilly with the with their mains? I mean, so far it's just one invasion, right? All we've seen is one instance of this occurring. Now, certainly it could set a precedence, but the real threat that occurs here is that you deploy the entire alliance in response, and so they can't be going off and retaliating versus every uh, grievance versus their alts. Otherwise, they'll be deploying every single day to a different part of EVE. So, I mean, I think there is certainly a risk there, but not one large enough to threaten the integrity of PL, at least certainly not to an extent where they'd have to worry about it over the internal drama which it has already caused. Well, that's the practical concerns behind Elise Randolph's it's not it's just not how we fly question or statement. Like it's just not how we fly, that's a cultural statement. But it has practical concerns, right? If this does become a precedent and more people begin logging in their mains and initiating capital deployments to low sec because they got ganked in a gate camp to NullSec because their Rorqual alt actually got caught by somebody. You know, is this... That could pull the Alliance in too many different directions. You know, PL works well together. Uh, if the Alliance is, you know, deploying here, deploying there, in response to all their alts getting ganked and scammed in Jita, then that could cause some real problems. And, you know, PL is game for content. So I think uh, at least definitely has some some legitimate concern here that they need to remain focused on mining and the EVE uh, like metagame arms race style that PL has specialized in so well over the past few years, certainly the, the like recent history. Doom, I think, is appealing to the past in a way that 
you know, might sound great to those on the outside that, oh, PL is actually logging in and invading people. But, you know, that may not be the best thing for the Alliance. And, you know, you could argue that at least has both cultural and strategic interests in mind by making sure those mains stay logged off and they continue alt work while mining and running low sec alts. Yeah, I mean, to Elise's credit, you have to think about the sheer amount of force and isk that PL is putting on the table with this new deployment. Like, we have spotted 12 carriers out in the space, and on top of that, they've recently had reports of at least four dreads being deployed. So this is a full-on capital deployment by PL, and with the recent changes to jump fuel consumption, that's expensive. Like, you cannot be doing this all the time in EVE anymore. So, I think Elise has some legitimate concerns. But, you know, with yeah, and, you know, if those carrier mains are logged in, those alts are probably logged out. So, not only are they losing money from the fuel on the deployment, but they're also losing the lost income that they could be making from those worker alts. But then part of me looks at the players we have coming in. There's a whole other, you know, class of PL coming up. You know, they've saw that this is the trailers and all the other trailers throughout the, the Eve that CCP has thrown at us. You know, it's all action. It's all go out and take this and do this. And if you stay docked up, you never get to see those big battles. You never get to go and do those things that we promise about Eve. So I think Doom Chinchilla, in some regard, is giving people that, you know, Eve Online experience that they they see in the news and, and in the in the in the uh, you know expansion videos. And what we all love and talk about so much. So in him, he's he's being content creator, right? He's he's doing the things that get us these newsworthy articles in PC Gamer. But in doing, is it even responsible to do that? Because I feel like if he's presenting it as that, he's really setting up false expectations. Because we all know the, the gameplay in those trailers just isn't representative of how Eve plays right now. You know, I think he's, you know, if that's happening, I'm not putting words in his mouth. But if that's going on, then I feel like he's setting up false expectations for these people. They're going to log in their mains, and they're not going to get that Eve is real, uh, butterfly effect, uh, like Dominion level conflict, because that's just not how Eve works. Most likely, they're going to grind a structure for 30 minutes and then spend the next day to seven days sitting on a Titan waiting for a fleet that never undocks. But, but is that because we've, we ourselves as these, you know, old veteran players have just, that's the Eve we're accustomed to or, or what we've accepted. I mean, is he pushing back against our own very beliefs and what we know? I mean, is that so wrong? I mean, I, Part of me says yes, and part of me says no. I, I kind of admire what he's doing here, and I see the pushback, and I see the detriment he can be putting PL in, you know, deploying that many carriers at once. That's crazy, right? I mean, they should be mining and, and making more fuel and, and, and more ISK, but eventually, if you don't, you know, use it, right? I mean, what's the point? The old uh, use it or lose it fallacy. Right. I mean, I've seen it ring true more than one occasion. I mean, haven't, I mean, look at, Look at Goons and, and Declan up there, right? Yeah, that's that's fair. And there's there's the argument that Goons did not properly use Declan, and that is why they did, in fact, lose it. <laughs> I don't see what's so funny about that, Artemis. A lot of alliances died in that conflict and totally reshaped the map, so I wouldn't be so jovial. And a, lot of, a lot of us were injured in World War B. Okay? My grandfather I mean, fought there. Quite frankly, I fought there. I fought against goons, and at least... Okay. Certainly goons maybe did not properly, util properly utilize the resources that were available, but CO2 and sort of the, the true hardcore PvPers, the valuable players that were part of the CFC back during World War B they were utilizing their space to a good extent. And you can see that level of utilization played out in their intelligence when they decided that goons just weren't the place to be anymore. Although, I mean, you say that, but they did in fact lose their space too. So how much of it did they use? 
Yeah, but then they just went down south and steamrolled some other people, so like, eh? Yeah, but, I th- you know, those are all great examples, but look, look at the current situation with NCPL, right? Like, they're all up in tribute, they all have, PL has someone to watch their back, right, when they go on deployments, so, you know, it's kind of the same and kind of not. I mean, I see where Doom kind of feels confidence in doing this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's certainly hyperbolic to say that, you know, this one deployment is going to leave their homeland exposed to invasion or, or somehow doom the alliance. Again, I, I think the risk is more establishing the cultural standard. I mean, they've you've gone into unknown territory here, right? We've never had a PL main actually log in after smack-talking. So... I think it's fair to ask, is this going to set a new standard? Is this going to start a trend? Will we see copycats from other corps in the alliances? You know, after they get ganked in low sec, are they also logging in their mains? Uh, and what may come of the multi-carrier deployments that lead from those incidents? It's not beyond the realm to think that, you know, at, at one point they may actually deploy a super capital in response to one of these incidents. And then that opens up a whole new escalation uh, where more people are taking wind of this. Other people are now bringing their super capitals into it. And it just starts this unhealthy cycle of content that, you know, frankly is going to interrupt the work while mining industry that is so vital to the EVE metagame right now. That's that's very true. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, I I wouldn't look forward to it. You know, seeing seeing a, a bitter vet of Eve get mad at some dude and you know finally log in his main. It's just that that's huge, and I, I look forward to more of that. I hope it happens more often because, truthfully, it, I don't believe half the people in, in local you know smack talking like I log my main in. I don't believe them anymore. So this is you know put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, it's a brave new world. Uh, let's move on to the host highlights. Uh, my host highlight is, uh, you know, it's not necessarily an EVE-related thing, but for those of you who have been following the podcast, you'll know that Yin Tan has been talking a lot about vaping. And I'd like to say that I, too, have joined Vape Nation and would like someone from the depleted and isk-starved reason of Providence to tell Yin Tan that not only do I vape, but my vape is much bigger and actually works. Artemis? My host highlight is actually EVE-related for once. Uh, it's interesting. I just finished, actually yesterday, at around 19.30 EVE time, I finished up a very enthralling round of mining, which marks the end of my trek to gather the minerals required for MC's new Palantine Keepstar. It's great. Um, we're not finished yet. It's not ready to go and build. We still have a few more years' worth of PI to do. But the end is now in sight. And so the the gameplay that we got from mining, it was fantastic. We all enjoyed it. And I think that's why it went by so quickly. And we're all sort of pushing on in the final leg of our journey. And Opus? Yeah, so huge news. It's it's from Evil Line. Actually, CCP news. So um, I can finally announce in public that I've been hired on as the new U.S. community developer. For uh, Eve Online, and uh, the term my CCP name is going to be CCP underscore. I didn't care, and I think that that name sums up what I hope to do there. Congratulations, Opus! Indeed, that's fantastic, that's dude. Really impressive. I appreciate it, guys. It's it's been a a long time in the making. Oh, that's going to be a fantastic experience, and I'm glad that we have, uh, you know, someone at CCP that's really taking the values of their community strategy to heart. I mean, it's right in the name. You know, you're you're living that truth. I think so as well. I look forward to the journey. That's it, guys. Head to declarationsofwar.com to participate in the show's poll. And I think for this show's poll, we're going to be talking about what the biggest exclusive was. You know, was it the Hello Kitty Online? Was it the bot running for CSM? Was it the insight that we brought into this uh, PL main situation? Let us know. 
Also want to say, not fake news, Capitalist Army is recruiting. We have experienced some pretty substantial growth over the past month or two, and uh, it's looking good. <laughs> uh, we've actually left Streamfleet Alliance, uh, handing that over to Rain Chocolate. And we're focusing just on the corp right now, developing corp, developing our great wildlife project, which is going very well. And we're getting uh, much more aggressive with our PvP. We've done our first Blops fleet the other day. It worked out quite well. We actually did two of them over the course of this weekend. And uh, we're, you know, expanding our doctrines, uh, expanding the PvP experience of some of the newer pilots. So... Uh, it's a pretty enjoyable time, and for those of you who are more interested in the mining and industrial aspects of the game, we picked up our first dedicated miner. Uh, a friend of mine from real life has some interest in PvP. He's willing to learn, but that's not really his thing. He just wants to crunch some rocks and build some ships, and we brought him into the corp, giving him some basic PvP training, Giving him some basic PvP ships, and he's uh, off crunching rocks. So, uh, looking very much forward to flying with him, both in and out of mining fleets. And if you are out there, and you're a miner, you're willing to brave the dangers of Melsec for those sweet, sweet rewards, and you want to be with an awesome corp, and you're at least willing to learn how to PvP at a basic level to support us in fleet fights, then we are the corp for you. Hit me up in-game. Join the Capitalist chat, also in-game for more info. Capitalist Space Chat. And wherever you are, good hunting listeners.